Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Girl CEO Podcast, the playground for female entrepreneurs. My name is Ronnie Brown, and I'm the author of Amazon's best-selling book, From Mopping Floors to Making Millions, and was once a teen mom turned millionaire business mentor. I created my Girl CEO community for women like you. Girl CEO, you are a trailblazer, a creative, an innovator, a boss, and a woman who knows that she deserves more. Join me each week while we uncover what it truly takes to be your own boss and become a successful girl CEO. And don't worry, sis, I got you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Girl CEO Podcast, the playground for female entrepreneurs. I am Ronnie Rail, your host, and today I have one of my sisters with me who I absolutely love and I just have a heart for based on her ministry and her authenticity. Uh, can you just go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? <laughs> sure. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. You know, I love you. You've been a part of the Woman Evolve movement. I've been admiring you from afar. So anyway, I'm Sarah Jakes Roberts. I am the founder of Woman Evolve, the author of the book, Woman Evolve, and Ronnie Brown's fan club chair board member. <laughs> We're going to fight. We're going to fight. Well, let's go ahead and um, just jump right into this. You know, guys, let me just say this. Not too long ago, I had the privilege to speak at the Woman Evolve Conference and just watch Sarah birth this baby and turn it into a reality. I remember um, us talking and you're like, I'm doing a conference. And I'm like, okay, like you're doing a conference. Let's, let's do this. And then she just blew it up. It just came together like overnight. And I know it wasn't overnight, literally. But when I saw everything just happen and to be present, to see how it just looked and the experience and the feeling and the, the worship and just everything just come together, I was blown away. So I think the first thing that I want to kind of go into was what made you birth Woman Evolve? Well, Ronnie, when I first started speaking in like 2012, I was sharing my story just about being a teen mom, not feeling like I fit in church, kind of going my own path and yet still finding so many different struggle, struggles and complications and yet discovering God's love in that journey. And I was just sharing my story and people were inviting me to speak all different places. And it felt like I was very much so just on the road to tell my story. But people would tell me like, you should host a conference. You should host a conference. But I was like, I don't have anything worthy of hosting a conference for until I had this revelation about Eve. I was standing in my Bible and found some things about Eve's life that I felt were so valuable that every woman should know them. And I really felt like this is the thing that I'm willing to build my life on. So woman evolve is my tribute to Eve's life. And what I believe every woman must answer for herself, will I evolve from whatever moment I'm standing in? Love it. And do you feel like, you know, just stepping out there and doing this conference was an example of you like stepping out on faith? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I am not, I had no idea what I was doing. Like all I knew was that I finally, finally found something that I felt was worthy of people attending, but like the registration platform and customer service emails and the budget and the aesthetic and the hotel blocks. Like I had no idea what I was doing at all. And it was me and my friend Shanice. And we were like in the kitchen, literally in my kitchen with our laptops, like trying to figure everything out on my own. I built the website by myself. We did everything by ourselves and it taught us so much because now we're building so many different businesses, but that was just like the beginning of the journey. Yeah. And one of the things that I think people need to know is that you are a human being, right? Yeah. And that you are normal, right? You're not just like, oh, she has it all together. And I think that a lot of people believe that you have it all together. It's all laid out for you. You don't have to lift a finger, you know, put um. it together woman evolved brand um it wasn't hard you know or her dad has it and you know they everyone doesn't really understand the work that you have had to build and to put in to really build this brand and i know this because i watched you build this from scratch okay mm -hmm. um, can we kind of talk a little bit about that how people don't understand how you are your own unique individual and that you are creating a ministry around your heart and your story um that is it's not something that is handed to you that you are really building this kind of stuff from scratch Absolutely. I mean, my father, I think one of the things that he's most known for is woman that art loose. So as it relates to women's empowerment and inspiration, he already has a long standing reputation in the space. Um, you know, I really felt like I was speaking to a demographic of women who had been forgotten. The only thing about speaking to a demographic of women who have been forgotten is that there's not a whole lot of buy-in when you say that I want to host a conference for these group of people because no one really knows whether or not they'll come. No one necessarily believes in the mission and the vision. And so it was very much so me being like, I think that if we build it, they'll come. Like, I'm not sure how many will come. I'm not sure what the first conference will be like, but this is something that I'm willing to bet on. My father's been in ministry longer than I've been alive. So the systems, the structures, the team that go into building his things, like I didn't have any access to that. I wasn't a part of it. And they're building things while I just have this idea in my kitchen. And yet I knew that if anyone else could do it, that I could do it too. I just may have a learning curve. I may have to do some Googling to figure it out, but I, I took a chance on it. You know, I think one of the other differences is like my dad's conferences have like, you know, 18, 20,000 women easy, right? I'm doing something. I don't know if anyone's coming. I know I'm not talking necessarily to the same people he's talking to. And so um, it was a journey. It was a process. But what I do know now is that Woman Evolve and what it has meant to the women I was speaking to has garnered the attention and respect of longstanding, you know, brands, companies. We've got corporate sponsors, longstanding individuals who now take seriously this demographic of women who I get to speak to for sure and guys let me just tell you this she's not fluffing it like she's not fluffing it at all because a lot of you all don't understand that she is so hands-on um I remember you know being on the phone with you late at night while you were trying to build this conference and you know in Trello and going step by step guys she was 100 percent in it with making sure that this vision came true, you know, uh, one of the things that I really want to kind of talk about is that demographic of women. Who is that demographic of women? 
So they're millennial, they're black, they're progressive, um, they're spiritual, not religious. They don't necessarily do church, which is why I wouldn't, I couldn't have hosted it necessarily through a church because that's kind of a turnoff for this demographic of women. Um, a lot of them have come to this place where they believe in the empowerment of women. They don't believe in the patriarchy and what it represents in corporate spaces or religious spaces. And so it is unique and that there hasn't been a place that felt uniquely like home for them. And yet they do believe in God. They do believe that they have an opportunity to be an extension of God's power and God's identity on the earth, but how we harness it, how we move past our shame, how we come to the mindset that allows us to do this perpetually isn't something that has necessarily been constantly expressed and explained to them. And so there is a hunger there and there just hasn't been a lot of places that could really feed it well. So you mean to tell me like this was created for your good girlfriend, Ronnie? Like, is that... <laughs> No, for sure. I mean, like, I am that girl. Like, I am that girl. So it is, it's for girls like us, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, the fact that you say that, you know, feeling like, did I fit in? You know, can we kind of talk about why do you believe that a lot of women feel like that um, in the church setting? Because I've felt like that. Like, uh, is this me? Like, I want to be myself and still love Jesus. Why do you think that so many women struggle in that area? representation you know religion and women have had an interesting relationship in not just christianity but in almost every faith and there's not a lot of representation of what it means to be a powerful woman especially if you feel like religion strips the power from women and makes them subjected to like i said the patriarchy and so where do empowered women go who still believe that like that my life is not random right that i am here for for a purpose and a reason, even if I don't know what it is yet, there aren't a lot of places where you can go and do that. And not to mention, I like fashion. I'm going to be dressed up. My hair is going to be done. Like I may not necessarily subscribe to your rules. And so like a lot of women kind of found themselves in this space where it's like, I'm just going to figure it out on my own. One thing about these empowered women is they don't mind figuring it out on their own, whether that's a business, a degree, a family, or their spirituality and their faith. And so I I think what we see now is really women who have this like hodgepodge experience of spirituality because they never found something that felt like could edify all of who they are. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is like being accepted and being included in someone saying you are safe here, right? Yeah. You're safe here. You're not judged here. Um, no one is going to talk down on you here. We know that you have had issues, but we're loving you where you are. And I think just being in a space where you get more of that. I remember coming to the Women Evolve Conference and sitting beside women that I didn't know. And they were like, girl, what you doing here? You know, like, what's, what, what's going on? Oh my gosh. And just accepting me, right? And just loving up on me. And the environment was just different. It was a mix of everybody, you know? Yeah. It was fly girls, the fashion girls, the wig girls, the preaching girls, the business that <laughs> have everything at that conference. And I love that the approach isn't, okay, let me shove this down your throat, come as you are. And, and this is a safe space. And it really takes me to you having to go through that, um, even as a teen mom, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand how people view you. 
as a teen mom. I was a, a mom at 16 years old. And, and by the time that I was 25, I had three children. Lord, they yeah. told me, they were like, baby girl, you were going to be on welfare. Like, <laughs> your life is over. It, it's done. Um, how did becoming a teen mom play a role in who you are today? Oh, girl, we could be here forever talking about that. One thing I want to say, Ronnie, because I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, if you are anything else that breaks like a church rule, um, you know, whether you're not at a church that is affirming of, you know, same sex relationships or you have an alcohol problem or like whatever of, of something you're whatever your thing is that makes you feel isolated from church generally there is a community outside of the church where you can go to and still feel accepted at the bar they'll still welcome you they have all types of communities now that are safe spaces for people who are same sex attracted like there are all these different spaces where they say you know what we love you it's okay to be who you are like you're on a journey aa is it like there are all these different places but when you are a teen mom there's nowhere for no one is no one's applauding the teen mom, not in the church, not at the school, not at the grocery store. Everywhere you go, there is a stigma that says I no longer have worth or the same worth as someone else. I no longer have the same value as someone else. And so the trauma of that either makes people feel so ashamed that they are stagnant and can do nothing at all. Or you have people who say, if you sleep on me, you're going to miss me. And I feel like that is kind of where I settled into this identity of like, y'all think I can't overcome this. You all think I'm going to be stuck forever. And I'm about to show you that this will not be the end of me. Now, in the process of doing that, went to college, dropped out of college, waitress at a strip club, got a job as a receptionist, start like I did all of these different things, but I never gave up on this idea of like, this will not be the end of my story. It won't be the end of my journey. I just wasn't trying to partner with God to do it. And I feel like that's why I experienced a lot of setbacks. But when I finally partnered with God, I saw my life change. And how was that, you know, being a preacher's daughter, just breaking that news to your parents? I know for me, I hit my pregnancy until I was six months. I covered my stomach up with a, a fanny pack, right? Um, how was that breaking that news? Like, what were just some of the things that were going through? So my parents found out when I was four months pregnant, my sister told them, I did not tell them. And it's so funny, like I was on the breakfast club and they asked me like, you know, your dad said you hid your pregnancy. Is that true? And I was like, yeah, why, were, why would we be telling anyone we're pregnant? Like when you're a teen mom, you're not like, when can I share the news? No, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. So my sister told them they were shocked, obviously didn't see that coming. And I think their uh, response, their reaction is what let me know, like, this is something that's going to change your life forever. Because at the time, I didn't realize the gravity of what it means to become a mom when you're still a child. For sure. And something else that I notice now with, you know, being a mom and, and having children, my son is about to be 21. You know, I feel like we, they feel like they are held to such a higher standard because like my son is like, you're my mom. You know, I want to just, I don't have to like go hard. I want to do something like I want you to be proud and I just want him to be happy and mm -hmm. whatever it is that he does. And I tell him, I'm like, you don't have to be the super successful person. You don't have to have it all together. Like, I just want you to come as yourself and Whatever it is that you go through in life, I want to be there for you and I want to support you. If you tell me that you want to go 
freaking sell rocks in a bag. We sell a rocks in a bag. You know, if you tell me you want to go work a nine to five, as long as you are happy with what you're doing, you know, I just want to support you in what you're doing, you know? So I always tell my son, when it's time to have those difficult situations, don't look at me as this super successful mom that is perfect and has it all together. Um, I want you to be able to come to me and have the difficult the difficult conversations that we need to have. Did that play a role in like the fear of you like telling your parents when you found out you were pregnant? For sure. I mean, they I have high achieving parents. And what do you do when you have a setback that's like, this is not an achievement. As a matter of fact, this could be a major setback. So that definitely played a role. Um, and I think because I was so young, like I was 13 when I got pregnant and 14 when I had Malachi, I thought I was going to get in trouble. Like I thought I was like, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble. I didn't even realize like how this was going to radically change my life. And so I think fear of rejection, fear of not making them proud, fear of failure is part of the reason why I didn't want to tell them. And I think that those feelings were only intensified after they found out. For sure. And I know that being a mom at 13, 14 years old, it definitely grew you as a woman. <laughs> for sure. I do think that part of my work ethic, because suddenly at 13 years old, like you're no longer thinking about high school and prom and stuff. You're like, I got to see somebody like I'm going to have to take care of someone. I'm not going to have the luxury of backpacking throughout Europe. I'm not going to be taking trips with my girls. Like I'm going to need daycare. And like, I just knew instantly, like my life is going to be different than the lives of the people around me. And one of the things I just love about you is your willingness, you know, to share that story and to tell that story, but to do it in a way that makes everyone feel like it's okay for them to share their story as well. You know, at what point in your life uh, did you discover that telling your story, mm -hmm. right, it gave you the power to change the lives of other people? Because I didn't get that immediately. You know, when did that come to you? I didn't know it either, Ronnie. I was, so I was 14 when I had Malachi. I went through like 10 years of trauma and drama, trauma and drama. And when I turned, what'd you say? Trauma and drama. Trauma <laughs> and drama. <laughs> that, that is a t-shirt or a podcast unto itself. But like when I turned 23, I started blogging and I was helping people. I was married before. I was blogging under my married name because I didn't necessarily want people to know that I was TDJ's daughter. That blog kind of started taking off. And I was like, okay, I'm going to tell them that I got pregnant as a teenager because I'm not sure if they're still going to take advice or wisdom from someone who ended up in this situation. I told my story. And when I told my story, everything even took off beyond where it was. And I think there was something to this idea of finally women not feeling alone. And when I realized that there were women who felt isolated in their own story, even if their story was different from mine, I felt like I will tell my story. I'll talk about the shame. I'll talk about the pain. I'll talk about the trauma and the drama as long as it means someone isn't alone. Yeah. And, and let me just say this. You know, when you're getting to that place where you're telling your story, right? And people are hearing your story. You know, I know for me, I didn't know that people would really take me serious, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that 
people would really understand my message and and what I was saying. But more importantly, I was like, I don't know if this can become a brand, right? Mm. I didn't know that this could become a business. Like, okay, can I really, you know, make this a business? Could this be a brand? Could this be a thing, right? I believe that the confidence is not always there when we say, okay, maybe I'm onto something, right? When did you truly start believing in yourself to a place where you're like, okay, I can really start using my past experiences and my past failures to really, you know, propel me forward and turn this into a brand like, yeah, okay, this is really a thing here. I need it, you know? You know, I think in my instance, it wasn't like I intentionally knew it was a brand. I think people's response let me know it was a brand. When I started seeing who was talking back to me whenever I said something, I realized that we had a certain look. We had a certain culture. We had a certain way of speaking. And I realized the more that I studied the culture of who was following me, what it was they were receiving from me. And then it was like, once I understood what they were receiving from me, it's like, how can I offer them this in different packages in different ways that help them to feel this in different areas of their lives? And so I think that it became like a brand on accident. And that now I get the opportunity to just be intentional about giving them more of what helps them to become better. Okay, so girl CEOs, I really want to kind of rewind this because I want you all to take just a little something from this response. The response was, okay, the the response was one thing that I want y'all to catch here was the fact that she said the response that I got from people. Because we're always asking, I think the question that I get the most is, Ronnie, how do I find my purpose? Everyone asks me that. I'm sure your inbox is probably full. How do I find my purpose? How do I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, right? That is always the question. How do I know that this is my purpose? But what you said is the answer to that. And I tell people when we are serving or we are providing something, we will know that we are operating in our calling. We are operating um, in our purpose because of the feedback that we get from the people that we serve. So I just want to stress this. Um, Sarah, is there anything that you would say to people who are listening to this, who are struggling with finding their purpose? Because they they're they're going back and forth they may be starting a business or they may they may have a hustle or you know they they're just trying to figure it out what would you say to these women man okay so one of the things i talk about in the book is purpose because like you i get this question a lot and i will say that i did not find purpose it sounds so cliche but purpose did find me And the way that purpose found me was that I recognized that what I was doing added value to the world. Purpose is what you offer the world that adds value to the world, which means now we're not necessarily talking about what should I do for a living or how, whether or not I should write the book or whether or not I should do X, Y, and Z. It's like, what is it that I can do even today? 
Like maybe I haven't started the nonprofit yet. Maybe I haven't started the business. Maybe I haven't written a book, but what can I do today that can add a value to the world? And so if that is serving others in the capacity that you serve, to then ask yourself, how can I become more intentional about serving a certain group of people? And so purpose is about adding value. Purpose is my opportunity to reflect heaven on earth. And I believe that we have the opportunity to be in purpose when we're at the grocery store, to be in purpose when we're on the job, to be in purpose when we're raising potential, raising our children. And if we want to take it a step further to become even more intentional, what gifts and talents do I have that I can attach to purpose that continues to make the world a better place? Wow. Wow. And and one of the things that I love, um, even about the book, because I've already got into it, I, I, I have to just say this. I love how you used Eve and her, you know, kind of like making her mistake and companion. That was just like, you know how you see, you read this one thing and it's like, yes, girl. That was, <laughs> it was my yes, girl moment. I was like, this is the moment where you just talk about how women make mistakes in life, right? And we allow the mistakes that we make in life. We allow those things to just hinder us, like hinder yeah. our and, and we hold on to the mistakes that we make and we beat ourselves up. And, and I really want to talk a, a little bit about this. Like, how do we break free from this cycle, um, especially from a standpoint of your book? Okay. So, I mean, I wrote a whole book about this because I feel so passionate about it. You know, um, I think the problem that we have when we are defining ourselves by our mistake is that we have zoomed in on this one aspect of our identity. And as long as we're zoomed in, it's no different than looking at a file on the computer. Sometimes you zoom in so closely on a file that you can't even see the full picture anymore. So one of the things that I tell people who are trying to overcome the negative talk, the negative thoughts, the negative perception of self is to zoom out of the moment that you are focused in on and see the totality of your, your existence. I am a teen mom. That is a part of my picture. I was also a mother, a sister, a daughter, a friend, a student. There were so many different aspects of who I was. And so I would challenge that person to zoom out of the picture. Look at the fullness of who you are. The second thing I always tell people who are experiencing this cycle of just like, I can't get over what I did. I can't get over what happened to me is to find a way to love the person who made the mistake. Because if you cannot love the person who ended up in the marriage, who ended up in the relationship, who had the abortion, whatever your thing is, if you can't find a way to love her, then you will always live divided. Um, you know, in the book, I talk about focusing on the fruit of what we did instead of the root of why we did it. When I go back in time and I transport my body into what I felt like when I was 13 years old, I felt alone. I felt isolated. I felt insecure. I felt like an outcast. This was before I got pregnant. I felt all of those feelings. That is the girl who put herself in a situation where she ended up pregnant. When I feel those feelings, it's hard for me to hate her. The first thing that I want to do as a woman is love her and tell her you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And that's how we have to talk to ourselves when we get stuck in those negative thoughts about who we are, even as women, not just children, but even as women, when we make those mistakes. 100%. And I think that we are just so big on, we can't get over it. We, we continue mm -hmm. to focus on the mistakes that we made. And I think that 
you just stating that guys, Eve had to rebuild her life. Yeah. I don't even think people even pay attention to that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't even focus. It's like, okay, we left we left the part out about how she got back on her feet or how she dealt with that situation after it happened because that was a situation that had to be dealt with. It just we just we just skipped that part, you know. For sure. And that's what we do with our lives. We're like, you know what? This is where I am. I'm not going to look at the rebuilding. And I think one of the hardest things that I have experienced with women is like, we do not acknowledge when we do do things well, because we don't believe that good is possible for us, even after our pain and our experiences. And to your point, what I saw when I looked at Eve was no longer this woman who messed it up for us all, though I felt like that for a really long time. But I saw this woman who took the broken broken pieces of her life, a promise from God and dared to take what she had left and throw it in the direction of her future. And that's why I feel like every woman is going to have to answer that call as to whether or not they will evolve. You know, one of the things that I really love about you, Sarah, because I remember you reaching out to me. I'm like, well, this preacher reaching out to me for all the time. We have these, we have these um, insecurities or these things that people in the church have told us, right, that we don't fit in. You know, I've personally been told that I don't fit in um, with the church, right? I am, I'm, I'm too loud or, or I'm too bold. And for so many years when I was young, I would listen to those things. But I'm like, girl, this is the needs is like, <laughs> this is what you're going to get, right? How important, you know, how important is it for other leaders to follow in your steps? Because I just admire, it's like now, you know, when women are talking to me about ministry, I'm like, no, go follow Sarah. Like you can be yourself with Sarah. Like this is the girl you need to go look up. You can be how you are. You can talk the way you are. She will love you where you are. This is the type of ministry that you need to get in with. How important is it for other leaders to follow in these footsteps because you just make everyone feel like it's okay to be yourself you know that's what jesus did jesus made everyone from the tax collector to the woman with the issue of blood to the woman with the many husbands feel like it was okay for you to be where you are wherever you are the woman caught in the act of adultery like it's okay for you to be where you are i think we're at our best as Christian leaders, when we're making space for people to be where they are, you know, um, we are in a generation where transparency is of the utmost importance. We're in a generation where you can Google anything you want to find out. And so the days of religion that basically told you to sit down, be quiet and accept what I say, those are coming to an end because there are people who cannot just accept what you say. I want to research it. I want to know if you're actually living it. And if you're living it, do a how-to video showing me how to actually do it. And so I do think that other leaders are going to have to embrace the beauty of not knowing, the beauty of saying, I can't answer what's happening in your life. I can just share what's happened in my life. But at the end of the day, if you get to God, I believe he'll sort everything out. There's a humility that has to come to leadership in order for us to really find ourselves worthy enough to handle someone else's heart. The other thing I will say is there are as many churches as there are restaurants. If you 
you don't like McDonald's, you can go to Burger King. If you're not feeling Burger King, you can go to Ruth Chris. There are so many different opportunities, spaces, and environments that have the potential to feed someone where they are. And so, you know, I, it's hard. I, I tell people all the time that I feel like as a pastor, it's like dating someone who was cheated on by everyone they've ever been with, is that there's such a skepticism when it comes to faith that you just have to make sure you stay on your square so that people feel safe enough to continue to walk with you. But having said that, go into any church environment, any spiritual environment, somewhat guarded, because it is your soul, it is your spirit. But if you find that space that feels like maybe I can find rest here to slowly allow your guard to come down so that you can experience the fullness of transformation that comes when you're connected with the most high. Yes. And, and you guys, let me just tell you, when when she speaks, this is what she needs to do. She practices that very thing because there have been moments when I have called her and, you know, most people are just like, yeah, girl, I'm gonna pray for you. You know, everybody hits you with a girl, I'm gonna pray for you. Don't worry, I'm gonna pray for you. But sis was like, let me tell you this. Like it was <laughs> straight up. And it wasn't the, I'm gonna lay the hands on you and I'm just gonna pray for you. Cause I think we, as Christians, we get in the habit of saying, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you. But sometimes you really, you need some feedback. You need someone to, you know, to talk to. And there were moments when I called, called up sis and I'm like, listen, sis, and she's like, listen. You know, <laughs> this is where we are. <laughs> where we are, says okay, and that is just so important. Um, another thing that I want to stress, you know, Women Evolve is not just a book, all right. Yeah. Women Evolve is a movement, and a lot of people don't know that this is not just a book. This is a movement. It is a movement that says, you know, women no longer have to choose between being successful and being a mother, you know, being a friend and putting self-care first, you know, why is it important that women understand the mission behind women evolve overall? Well, because we are all evolving at every stage and phase of our journey. I think we bought into this lie as kids that once we hit a certain age, then we'll finally feel settled. And one of the lies of adulting that we're discovering is that I feel like I'm constantly in a classroom. I feel like I'm constantly learning and relearning. And so Woman Evolve is about one, giving a woman peace about wherever she is in her journey, but also making sure that she has tools so that she doesn't feel like she's stuck there forever. So when we first started Woman Evolve, you know, I initially thought we should host a conference, but then I started hearing what people were saying after the conference experience. And I'm like, how do we take what we're doing here for the weekend and really make sure that it's available to women year round? And so we started working on the subscription on demand channel. We have the podcast courses, uh, events and tours, virtual opportunities to make sure women feel like they have all of the tools from mental health to find financial to spiritual to studying the Bible, like whatever it is that you feel like you want to understand about parenting or single or marriage, like how do we answer these questions? And not just from myself, but from different women who are experts at it. Like I'm not trying to be the one who feeds you everything. You may not like what I cook or you may not be hungry for what I have, but I do have a, a network of women that I believe can be beneficial to wherever you are on the journey. And so I want to make sure I'm connecting women with what they need. Yes. And you feed the women from all areas, whether it's spiritual, whether it's relationship. I, I'm seeing sis cooking, you know, come on. <laughs> okay, let's go. Um, but 
Now, the thing that I love most is also the fashion. Yeah, I love to see you dressed up and the looks. I'm, I'm like, sis, give us looks today, right? It, it's a little bit of everything. It's like this modern day woman. And I think, you know, my biggest question would be like, what does it mean to be a modern woman of faith to you? To me, it means that I don't subscribe to the notion that faith has to look one way in order for it to be powerful and effective that faith can be packaged in different body types and different expressions and different cultural languages and still be just as potent and powerful as what we saw Jesus walk in. That's what I believe wholeheartedly. I'll also say this, that a modern woman of faith doesn't necessarily mean that she's in a pulpit. I see what you're doing and how you're galvanizing women to really overcome where they've been and to show up in the world brave and courageous and powerful and intelligent. And I feel like you are in ministry in your own lane. There are accountants that are making sure that businesses are are on the straight and narrow. That is ministry in their own way. And so for a modern woman of faith to have representation in every field and industry is my goal. And as much as I can shine a light on that, that's important to me because I thought that being a modern woman of faith meant you, one, your skirt needs to be down to your ankles. Um, you need to prophesy and speak in tongues 24-7. And if you're not prophesying and speaking in tongues 24-7, you are possessed. It's not like you're not, it's not like you're just okay. You are possessed by the devil. And then you need to have the devil cast out of you. And it just didn't give a lot of space for people to be on a journey. You're going to make my ponytail fall off, okay? <laughs> you know what's hanging on by this much, okay? <laughs> Let me because no, honestly, like growing up in church, it was like if you don't speak in tongues, the devil must have your tongue. I don't know what's wrong. Like if you cannot shout, like you are going to hell. Like if you don't show up the way that I'm used to seeing you show up, then you don't know God at all. And everyone has a different expression. Let me ask you this: as you are a CEO, you are a mom, you are a wife, you are a speaker, you are a media personality, you know, you're into philanthropy. I mean, everything that you have going on ministry, how do you juggle it all? I don't, I don't juggle it all. I pick up one thing at a time. I do that as well as I can. And then I put it down and I pick up the next thing. And sometimes there are areas of my life that have dust on them because I haven't picked them up in a long time. And so I have to move and pivot and figure out what needs me the most, but I do it from a place of peace. I will say, Ronnie, like one of the things I decided to do early on is like, I'm going to be who I am in every space that I am in. So like my daughters walk around talking about mind your business. Cause like, I'm not going to put on one face when I'm speaking another face when I'm podcasting, like you, what you're going to get is what you're going to get. Like this same person who's talking to you today is the same person who shows up in different spaces and realms. And that helps me to feel like I'm like, got have multiple personalities with all of these different responsibilities that I have. And then I also know when to say no and to start over and reboot and restructure because I don't want my life to have dominion over me. I want to have dominion over my life. And do you feel like the church has made women fearful in that area of being themselves and who they are at all times? Because for me, it's just like, this is me, baby. Like, this is what you're going to get when I come. This is myself. It's like, I love Jesus. I might twerk a little bit, but I love Jesus. Like, I'm struggling with cursing, but I love the Lord, right? 
<laughs> it was the twerk just now for me. <laughs> but do you believe that it's the church that have women afraid? It's like, okay, off camera, you're one person. All right, we're here now. Let me get it together. Even to the point where like we're changing our voice and like how we talk. And I'm showing up, I'm like, girl, you know, I love the Lord's answer, but I'm not about to give you the the Harvard customer service voice today. You, <laughs> you know, where do you feel like this comes from? Okay, so I feel like that's a layered question. Um, I feel like there are a lot of different spaces within church. When, when we say the word church, right, we're talking like a broad group of people, right? It's like, do you think restaurants are the reason why we have E. coli? Because it's like, it depends on which restaurant you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like there's a broad expression of what it means to be a community of faith. Having said that, I do feel like there are particular representations of faith that have taken the main stage and have become the place in which we attribute everything church related to. Um, I don't know that we have always had safe spaces within church to navigate authenticity and vulnerability and transparency. I think everyone felt like, you know what, you need to be like Jesus. And if you aren't like Jesus, you need to hide whatever part of you is not like Jesus. And yet we have this truth that none of us are ever going to get there. Right. And so there is this weird dance of even though I'm never going to be like Jesus, that doesn't rob me of the responsibility of at least attempting to clean up my act so I can move to towards that goal. But also I realized that humility says that I'm still going to be in process until the day that Jesus takes me home. Um, so I do think that we have to do a better job in church communities of making sure that we ourselves acknowledge our humanity and our authenticity. And um, the last thing I will say, especially as it relates to women, like women have not always been empowered in church. I'm thankful that like my father and woman that art loose has always been about empowering women. My husband empowers me. And so I have representation of what it means for a man to empower the voice of a woman and for that voice to continue you to grow because of that empowerment. And I hope that people are able to take notes from what they're seeing happen in my life and begin to translate it into what they can do for the other women in their churches. Wow, powerful. And the, the key word was growth and process, right? We, we really have to understand that we are all growing, even myself. We're all, we all have areas that we are growing in and that we will need to grow in. So I love that, Sarah. Um, is there any advice that you would give to your younger self right now? No, because I wouldn't have listened. <laughs> I wouldn't have listened. I wouldn't have listened. Like, I would not have, I can't, there's nothing that I could say. The only thing that I could have possibly done that I think would have made an incredible difference for me when I was younger is to really hug myself, like to fully like, one of them long, awkward, you can't break away, hug yourself. Because I think in that moment, I would have been reminded of what it feels like to feel. And I think from the place of feeling again, that I would have probably made different decisions. But I was so blocked, so guarded, so inundated with the voices of fear, shame, pressure, and hustle, that I don't think I could have said anything to make my journey any different. Love it. All right. Hot seat questions. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's get some hot seat questions. Uh-oh. Let's go. Are you ready? Okay. You ready, sis? Okay. Come on, Hunter. Let's adjust our podium. So we got matches. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So favorite artist right now? 
Beyonce is going to forever be my fave. I just, I just stand. I know I've just, I can't, I can't let it go. I don't see it happening. So do you mean to tell me that you are part of the beehive? I am a part of the beehive. First of all, Beyonce is from Texas and we just do things different there. No shade to nobody else. But when I see that Lone Star State come through, it just does something for my spirit. I don't know. So y'all thought y'all loved her before, but the fact that she is just a beehive representative. I am. You are, The points just went up. All right. Favorite song right now. Ah. Oh. I have been so buried in this book and this movement the last year. I don't even know if I know any like new favorite songs right now that you like. What is the thing that is hum- that you're humming? It's stuck in your head. I know it's a little something that you hear that you get a little bop to. What was that? <laughs> it's probably a worship song. It's probably oh yes. Okay, yes, it is a worship song. Maverick City and Elevation just came out with an album. Sis, you got to hear this song. It's called A Million Miracles or Miracles on Miracles. It's like I've got miracles on miracles, so many miracles. I can't even count them all. And that song blesses my life. Okay, y'all go check that out. Go check that out. All right, favorite self-care practice. And before you answer this question, I just want to stress this. You sent me a gift. And I absolutely loved this gift. It's a whole box of goodies, all right? It was literally like a self-care box. Um, Of course, I have my Woman Evolve book. So you guys make sure you go get yours. Don't be jealous, just go get it, all right? (laughs) But I got my Woman Evolve book. But I loved it because it was so much cute self-care stuff in here from candles and you know just facial goodies and I mean I have a little bit of my favorite rose water right like everything that you can possibly think of so what would you say your favorite self-care thing is I have a scalp massager that guy has really used to restore my edges (laughs) yeah Scout massager. I have it's, and it's like a full on, and it's like a thing, and it just does a thing, and I love doing that. And then I, I will say, in the mornings, I drink like aloe and lemon water, and and I just like look out into the distance, and that is like self care for me every morning. Is like taking in my life. Yes, and let me just ask you this because as we know, you don't play when it comes to your wigs, right? Yeah. I watch your. And I'm like, sis, have all her girls with her wherever she goes. Is the scalp massager for when they're on or? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's for when I have these um, set it off Cleo cornrows um, out at nighttime. I do have to tell you, though, my massage game is funny, though, because when they try to go for that scalp, I'm like, do it if you want to. It'll be in your hands. So beside your courses, which everyone on here, ladies, if you are listening, you definitely want to go sign up for Women Evolve. Let me just tell you, it will get your spirit all the way together. Mm-hmm. Um, besides Women Evolve and your book, which everyone is definitely going to go by after this podcast, I'm sure. What is something that you are reading right now? Uh, I just finished a novel by Kristen Hanna called The Four Winds. I love fiction books. 
And yeah. right now I am almost halfway through get out, get out of get out of your head, getting out of your head by Jenny Allen. Oh, I love that book. I love that book. Oh yeah. yeah. It's good. It's good. Really, really good. And um, what is something that people may not know about you that you want them to know? Mm. Probably that I'm socially awkward. Like I don't, I'm not like the, even though people know who I am, I'm not the type of person who like owns a room. So like if people ever see me out, it would be better for me if you just ask me like, oh girl, where you get your wig from? Then to be like, oh, how's the weather? And where are you? Like, I'm not good with that. I don't do small talk very well. (laughs) It's not my thing. I went to Arian Simone had an event in LA honoring all of these different women. And I was basically like a fly on the wall because I don't know how to just like, I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. I'm really introverted. Oh my goodness. I Maybe because I'm so like forceful or like, uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> I was like, oh, let's, let's go today. You know, it was a little it's a little different, but I think a lot of people need to know that because what I've noticed in business is people tend to mix um, people being introverted with being mean. You know, mm. everyone's comfortable. Just because someone is an introvert, you may think they're mean. People, are, they they just lock up sometimes. So yeah, thanks for telling us that because when you up on that stage preaching and, you, and that hair bouncing and you got heels on, they would definitely think the mother is all for it right if she is not awkwardly mm. nothing <laughs> let me tell you when I am out in a room like I my husband is like he's like our spokesperson like I'm not necessarily the person who needs to spotlight. like my sister's like that too growing up people used to think I was mean because poor would just talk loud and talk to anyone and I would say barely nothing at all wow wow well sis thank you so much for joining us today I want to just make sure people know where they can go and get this book. So can you let them know where to go get their woman book? I got mine. Sorry, y'all. Don't be jealous. Uh, where can they go get theirs? Is it on Audible? Um, is it anywhere um, in the bookstores? Tell us where they can go. Okay, Woman well, Evolve is at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Indies. I do have it on Audible as well, as well, and obviously ebooks too. So to all of my girl girlfriends on here that are just like, Ronnie, that's fun. I'm busy. I want you to get this and download it so you can listen to it in your car while you are riding to work. We want no excuses. Get yourself together. All right, go get this book. And Sarah, where can they come and follow you? Give us the Instagram, the website. We want the membership. I need to get connected. <laughs> okay. Instagram and Facebook, I am at Sarah Jakes Roberts. And then you can go to womanevolve.com to learn about all of the different tools and resources we have to help women get their lives together. All right, y'all. Make sure y'all go subscribe to my subscribe to my good, good girlfriend. All right. I love you all. And thank you for tuning in today to the Girl CEO podcast. I'll see you guys on the inside. Bye. Bye. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.